Yeah, where's it coming from? Let's find out. Welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher, and with me is Morgana. And tonight we're welcoming Soraya. He is the host of Where Did the Road Go podcast, which is an excellent, excellent paranormal podcast. One of the first ones I started listening to. He's a radio host, a DJ, a filmmaker. He says he makes silly movies but that counts as filmmaker um, and a producer of music videos. And he's very active in the local music scene in Ithaca, New York. Hello. It's good Hello. to see you. Yes. Good to talk to you again. Yes. So much fun. And you made it. The I recording, did. the recording equipment decided that you were allowed to, to talk with us tonight. So I'm very <laughs> pleased. And I should say, mostly I make silly movies, but we made one serious one, which was called Gateways to Magonia, that had was based roughly on my experiences. Awesome. Well, let's see. You can talk about that. Yeah, that's a good start. I want to know about that. Uh, I did that back in, I think, 2008 we finished it. And yeah, I mean, it's up free on YouTube. If you look for Gateways to Magonia, you'll find one of the numerous versions. There's an SD version, then I cleaned it up a little bit. And I'm actually about to put up a new uh, upgraded version that's actually in HD versus like just sharpened up and in a higher resolution. But it, I took a lot of my experiences and mixed it in with General Fortiana. So there's like Men in Black stuff in there that never happened to be or anything. But it it's a mix of stuff. It's like a fictionalized version of things and it was kind of done i want to give the viewer sort of the the viewpoint of how weird this stuff gets and how you don't have any like stability with it like because it keeps changing so the main character in the in the movie just keeps weird stuff keeps happening to him he gets paranoid at one point uh and he just can't can't put his finger on what exactly is going on at the end he kind of just uh accepts what's happening to him basically i like that I'm going to have to go watch that now. And there's lots of <laughs> Lovecraft and John Keel quotes and Jacques Vallée quotes throughout. I think John, I think there's John Keel. There's definitely Vallée and Lovecraft quotes. The big three I'm here for this. Yes. I am totally into this now. Well, that's excellent. I did not know that you had made such a film. Yes. Now, now I have something now we both are writing this down i know we're <laughs> scribbling away and, and then uh, we and then we followed it with an absolute nonsense film called necro zombies from beyond space that was just like comedy in a horror setting and it's completely ridiculous and kind of references all kinds of different horror and sci-fi stuff as you go through it okay that's have also ever, awesome have you ever <laughs> seen the the really ridiculous comedic horror movie called hide and creep no. Oh, dude, you need to see that. It is 
set in Appalachia and it's a zombie movie. And okay. it is one of the most true to life look at what Appalachians would do in the case of zombie apocalypse. And the soundtrack is excellent. Yeah. Right, writing it down. Yeah, ours, ours, the initial plan was not even to have any zombies in it. <laughs> zombies just happen. They're like cockroaches. They just appear one day. Well, what happened is, is one of my friends uh, who had moved away and was initially supposed to be in it had a dream. And he wrote me and said, I had this dream that there was a zombie apocalypse, except the zombies were afraid of people. I'm sending this to you because I figure you could use this somewhere. And I'm like, all right, that's going in the movie. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. That's like when Zach was in art school, he had an, a, a, an assignment to do a comic based on his dream, a dream of his, except he doesn't remember his dreams. Oh. And he was like, so, uh, sweetheart, what was that weird dream you had the other day about the aliens? And I was like, oh, aliens invaded and we fought them off with ice cream. And he was like, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> That's all I needed. That's all I needed. That's awesome. So, yeah, it's it's sort of like uh, Shaun of the Dead, but with Lovecraftian looking alien, slithery, slimy, tentacly things. But they get repelled by ice cream. <laughs> so, you know. That sounds like a movie worth making. I, I think so. So talk about some of your experiences that led to you making this film. Oh, God. Uh, I don't know if I had any experiences really early on. The first experiences I remember were probably when I was hitting puberty and I had a Kundalini awakening and had no idea what it was. So I started having hallucinations, mostly audio hallucinations and bouts of pain and energy and stuff like that that I didn't understand. And that kind of evolved into just other weird stuff happening to me over time, especially when I started getting involved more in the occult and, and kind of researching magic and trying to find out if there was anything to it. And this went hand in hand with me being interested in the paranormal anyway. So, right. I mean, the, the weird stuff that's happened to me is all, it's almost like all different. Like I don't get the same thing twice. Uh, even when I've seen UFOs, I've had, very different UFO experiences. And I'm just like, well, that's not anything like the last one. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of it's not something I can even label. That's, that's part of the problem with it. Right. I can understand that. We, we got, we got home from an overkill concert one night, uh, me and a friend of mine, and he was going to, I was going to run into the house and grab something for him before he went home. And he turned off the car. And a second later, a few seconds later, as we're sitting there talking, we hear someone scream. Now, I live in the middle of nowhere. And the scream sounded like it was off in the distance, but it also sounded like it was in the car with us. Oh. And it was quiet, but very, very distinct. And we both just stopped talking for a moment. And it stayed at the same pitch, the same level. There was no attack, no decay. And then it just stopped after like 20 or 30 seconds. And we didn't say anything for a moment. And then finally he goes, what was that? I'm like, sounded like someone screaming, but not really. And he's like, where did it come from? I'm like, no idea. I'll run to the house and get that thing for you. And he freaked out. He's like, no, I'm not sitting out here in the car. 
And so we get out of the car and I start walking toward the house and he's on the other side and he's looking around panicked. There might be somebody nearby us. And to me, it didn't sound like a person. You know what I mean? Like it, it had that feel to it that this wasn't a, like a, a person making this noise. It didn't sound like right. And as I start walking to the house, I'm under this huge oak tree. And on the ground, I see this kaleidoscope of lights as if they were being projected down, except there's no beams and there's nowhere for them to be projected down from. And so I look down and I stop and I watch them as they kind of move up, you know, together and apart, like you would see kind of in a kaleidoscope. And then they disappear. And I went, huh, lights. And he realized at that point how far away I was from him. And he's like, lights, where? Why are you all the way over there? And he just comes running over to me. He's like, don't leave me alone out here. Oh, man. And that was it. And there was nothing more to it. There was nothing profound about it. It was just these couple of weird things with no, you know, I mean, what do you even call that? A normal day in the life of somebody who's a weird thing magnet. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly. And, you know, I, and I talk about this stuff and people are like, this stuff just happens to you all the time. And I'm like, no, it doesn't happen to me all the time. It's just in my life, it's happened enough that I have a lot of stories about it. But, you know, months can go by without any weird stuff happening. At least anything, nothing yeah. major anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That That's we've had. I've had calm years, yeah. like, you know, years where. You know, the worst thing that happens is, you know, the keys disappear for three days and then reappear in a stupid place that, you know, <laughs> they never were in the freezer. You know, nobody is going to put the keys in the freezer. Um, I, I so might. You know. I might if I was sufficiently like defocused. <laughs> My hands are full. I got to do this thing. I'll just put the keys right here. I'll get them in a second. Yeah, that's it, true. It, but you know th- those things those are so commonplace though i don't really i count that as a quiet year if that's the the worst thing that happens or i see one of the two ghost cats that live in our house right you know right and that's nothing big you know that's just oh yeah hey ozzy there you go good to see you <laughs> sleep paralysis uh voices when there's no one around or music in another room when there's no music playing that stuff happens somewhat regularly in this house yeah yeah that's other familiar people, other people hear it too so i know it's not just me yeah i always find that both comforting and not comforting uh I, I, all it does is it tells me it's not i'm not hallucinating it or whatever it is is causing other people the same hallucination that's why it's comforting <laughs> because I know I might be crazy, but at least somebody else is hearing the same thing or seeing the same thing that I'm seeing. But then it's not comforting because now I have to go, okay, but what am I seeing? True. True. I'm not bothered so much by that. Like I'm fascinated by that part of it, but it helps me narrow down that this isn't just a me thing. Yeah. No, I, I do understand that. Um, when when you talk about in in adolescence having a Kundalini awakening, um, when did you figure out what it was? Oh God, not till I was like twenty two, twenty three, somewhere in that range. 
Yeah. So I went a good 10 years of thinking, you know, initially not thinking I was, there was something wrong with me, um, physically initially, and then mentally, and then, you know, going to all kinds of therapists, doctors, no one could find anything wrong with me. Um, and then, you know, as I got more into magic, I'm like, is something attacking me like a psychic attack or something? Cause that's kind of what it felt like, like something was attacking me. And so a lot of it early on, I just labeled as, well, this was a psychic attack. Something attacked me tonight, and I don't know what it is, and I don't know why it's attacking me. And at some point, I came across, uh, I think exactly what it was. It was a uh, issue of Fate magazine that had a, you know, they would, like, give away free, uh, you, in the back, there would be stuff that's, like, free um, catalogs or you know, little pamphlets and things like that. And I think I ordered one of them. And in that one, they were talking about Kundalini as one of the books uh, that the thing was advertising, which was Kundalini and the Chakras, which was out on Llewellyn. And uh, I'm reading the description and just going, wait a minute, this is everything I'm experiencing, but like one thing. <laughs> like, yeah. There was a list and I was just astonished. And I'm like, what is this? And so I immediately went to the local library. This is pre-internet. And I picked up, uh, you know, every book they had on Kundalini, which wasn't a lot. The one I found the most useful was John White's Kundalini. And, oh, what does he call it? I can't remember. But if you look up John White and Kundalini, it's a compilation. So it has all kinds of experiences from all kinds of people across culture talking about Kundalini awakenings, both good and bad. And that kind of put it into some kind of uh, mechanism that I could work with. And I got the, the Llewellyn book, too, which just had some basic meditation exercises and energy exercises, which turned out to actually work. Yeah. And for me, I've sold many copies of that book. They're, they're, the thing is, I didn't believe in any of that stuff, like chakras or any of it. Like that stuff to me was just new age nonsense. I had no belief in any of it until I picked, you know, until I found that that book. It was like okay, maybe there's something to this. Well, when you experience it yourself before you have the language, the the proper terminology to ex explain it, and then you find the proper terminology and it fits what you experienced, then you kind of have to go, oh, oh. Right. right. Oh, oh, that's what that is. And if you're intellectually intellectually honest you go with your data which is okay this is exactly what i was experiencing and here's a map for it you know yeah yeah and and i assume that it it chilled out after you started doing the the meditations and exercises uh, and, eventually or sort of it's okay. never completely chilled out but at least I knew right. how to handle it. That's the thing. Even even breathing exercises would be enough to calm it down sometimes. But uh, as recent as, uh, I don't know, a couple of months ago, I was driving home from a customer's house. I do computer repair. And all of a sudden, uh, my my tailbone, the, the chakra the uh, around the tailbone just started burning and, and shearing pain. And I'm like, great. This is really hard to drive. I'm trying to straighten my back and breathe while I'm driving. And I'm like... Just get home. Just get home. Oh, man. And that it's like, can you just wait until I get home? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that that happened driving home from a friend's uh, couple of, probably New Year's 2020, going into 2020. 
Uh, I just went over to hang out with him for a while. And on the way home, it, it started up to the point where I had to pull over and get out of the car and just kind of stand straight for a bit. And I'm like, I really hope a cop doesn't stop and ask me what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm just doing some meditation, sir. Yeah, sure you are. You know, here on New Year's Eve, right New on Year's the side Eve. of the road. So sure. it was kind of like, just, just stop hurting. And a lot of times when it stops hurting, it just disappears. And I don't even notice all the time. I'll just suddenly go back to normal. And I'll be like, Oh wait, it's not hurting anymore. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, when I was, when I was a teenager, I was involved with a, a group of other occult minded teenagers. Which and- is never safe. <laughs> nah, it's not good. It's definitely not safe in West Virginia. I'll tell you that. Um, because they, they, we got labeled dev- devil worshippers all the time. Oh, so yeah, whatever. Um, but we all had similar odd things happen. Like it, it seemed like something around puberty always woke up. And it was, it wasn't just our, well, that's kind of how our group came together because we all had the same kind of symptomology. Mm. And, um, one person was, was a, a witch and she had, she had had her awakening earlier and she was like, oh, this is, this is your chakras waking up. This is, this is your energy system waking up which i was kind of like you i'm like ah some new age i don't even know i don't know about all that mess but you know she showed me what to read and you know and then i started digging out some some tantra and stuff and reading it and go oh okay so lots of people in india and asia actually like do this stuff and believe in it so it can't just all be you know new age nonsense from california right so okay I can, I can handle that. Um, you know, I, I, there was just a little bit too much West Virginia skepticism happening there. You know, like, I don't know about that. That sounds awfully, I don't know, tree huggy and and hippie. And I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. And now I'm a hippie tree hugger. So what can I say? (laughs) It converted you. Mm hmm. It seems to. Um, I have noticed that contact with the other tends to, at least for a lot of people, put them on a more ecologically conscious or spiritual path. Yes, absolutely. And I don't know if the other does that on purpose or if it's just a cause and effect thing that just happens. Yeah, it's hard to say. I, I, I suspect that the other is part of the planet in some way or at least it shares it with us so i mean maybe it is intentional or maybe it's just that when you feel connected to things you know you you care more about those things you're connected to right that's what i always thought was it's really really hard like it's very hard to deny your connection to the planet and to living organisms around you when you have had it shown to you that you are like, it takes a certain special type of person to be like, yeah, screw that. Right. Right. Um, so I guess that could just be a normal cause and effect, but I also think that 
maybe they do do it on purpose because if the alien messages from the 60s are anything to go by, they were awful concerned with us blowing up the planet. Sure. And maybe it's just, uh, maybe it's just feedback, you know? Yeah. We were Cause we were like, awful concerned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or it's the planet herself concerned yeah. or, I mean, there's so many ways to parse that out and, and, um, look at it. Well, whatever, you know? whatever the other is has been with us cross culture throughout time. So it's not something that just got here and is trying to communicate with us. It's something that's been a part of human experience for as long as we have records and probably long before that as well. So it may be very concerned with what we're doing to the environment and, and it may also impact our ability to communicate with the other. Yeah. And I think we have communicated with it for all of human history. Just, and each culture has come up with a different way to do it. And it seems like lately, like in the past, I want to say roughly 200 years, a lot of the older ways of communicating have been shaken yeah. somewhat by industrialization and modern life. And materialism. And materialism and individualism. I blame the Enlightenment <laughs> to an extent. The Enlightenment brought a lot of good stuff with it, and then it brought a lot of crap with it, too. Well, that's everything, really. Yes. Mm hmm. There's a dark side to everything. You know, I, uh, I was at a customer's house, was it yesterday? And I had to put in a new router for her. And she had her friend over with her two young kids. The kids were really itching to get back on their tablet and their phone and stuff. And she's like, well, you know, we didn't have that stuff growing up. And, you know, maybe you need to experience that. And I looked at her, I said, you know, it's really different growing up without it versus growing up with it and then losing it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, yeah, I tons of plus and negatives to our modern conveniences like tablets and phones and stuff. But I think any culture that's that the, the people who have grown up using that stuff, if you take it away, that really messes with them versus growing up without it where you just, you're used to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the way that I look at it would be, let's see, we did have a TV when I was growing up. We, we weren't that, messed up although it was a tiny black and white um but radio radio was always on when i was a kid mm. and that was where music came into the house when dad wasn't home he also had a, a ton of lps um i grew up with weird weird music because everything from like the 1920s to the current time to you know pop music of the 1970s mm. so i don't know what era i grew up in i have no idea <laughs> i don't know it's weird um not to mention all of the classical stuff that was also there yeah um but radio and and if i i feel like if the radio had gone silent on me that would have been so strange yeah because that's that's how we got our news that's that's how I heard about the Silver Bridge collapsing, for example. Mm. I heard about it on the radio first. 
And um, that's that's where, you know, weather, news, if there was a spill at one of the chemical plants, we often heard about, we'd hear the siren and then we'd hear on the radio, they would announce which plant it was. I grew up in, in the Kanawha Valley in Charleston. So there's chemical plants all up and down that river right. that the city's on. So, you know, we we ha- we heard the sirens from, you know, a spill or an explosion or a, a gas leak or whatever. And it, the radio always told us immediately. And so I, I can see where if, as a kid, the radio had suddenly gone silent, it would have been really weird. And it's even weirder now because of how much we rely on this stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, the power goes out and suddenly you're like, oh, I'll just do, no, can't do that. Well, maybe I'll, no, can't do that. You know, <laughs> Books. Yeah. If you have books for the wind, it's not dark and you have a light. That's why we, we always have, have candles lights and candles, man. <laughs> We are ready for that shit. <laughs> okay. We we are also paranoid people, though. <laughs> like, we actually had our power go out in the dead of winter last winter, and all of my neighbors evac'd. And there's me and my boyfriend with a charcoal grill in our driveway with a cast iron skillet on it and, like, a bunch of candles and, like, external power blocks that I kept charged. So we were fine. We watched Netflix on his phone in our bedroom and ate bratwurst and kept an eye on our neighbor's houses. (laughs) But (laughs) I admit that I'm weird. That's the hillbilly thing. You got to be prepared. It's like all hillbillies are Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts, you know, in in their own way. So there's always... I think that comes from, you know, having an iffy power grid when you're growing up. <laughs> well, and it it comes from I don't know, just being paranoid, really. Like I'll be honest, I'm just a nervous person. <laughs> so I'm always thinking what if yes. yeah. and then preparing. And and I and I like oh. to have backups of things, you know, like okay, I want to make sure I have enough of this or enough of that that if something happens, I don't have to worry about it. Of course, that also tends to be, do I have enough money to do that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would, lo- I would love to get a generator for my house so I don't have to worry about the power See? going out, but they're not cheap. It's, yeah. yes. Generator or solar panels. Yes. We're, we're still, that's, that, those two things, we're still, like, going, which one? What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? Do we get enough sun? We have to get the solar company out here and go, uh, no, you have a million trees. <laughs> We're not going to get any sun, which is, I think is, that's going to be the answer is they're going to look and go. "Mm." Yeah. Yeah. So do you see the little lights that you talk about at your house frequently? Not frequently. No. I don't even remember the last time I saw lights off the top of my head. Um, Definitely saw a light in the sky a couple of months ago. Uh, that shouldn't have been there, but it was there and then it was gone. And I was like, what the hell was that? And it was a completely clear night and it wasn't a plane. So, I mean, but I, I don't know what it was. What color was white. it? Yeah. It was just like a blob of white that just appeared. And I saw, well, well what's that? And I initially thought plane. I'm thinking, no, I think it's cloudy out. And, uh, 
then it was gone and it wasn't cloudy out because I could see stars. So that is, yeah, when they appear and then just kind of disappear, that's that's always exciting. It, 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 and usually, if you can see the white and it's a plane, you can see the red and green. Yes, yeah. Well, I figured I, I figured it was like probably showing through the clouds, and in a moment, I'd be able to see it clearly, and then. There, there were no clouds, and it never came back. But it was also, yeah, that says probably not right. And it was also a spot; it wasn't like a meteor falling in. Right. I've definitely seen weird meteors before, but they were definitely also meteors. Yeah, it's you can distinguish those pretty well. I've gotten very good at going. Oh, oh, I'm so excited! Nope, satellite. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's, there's, oh, that's, that's space. There, there's there's a particular satellite that if it hits you the right way when you're looking up, it, it lights it it lights up your eye basically. And I forget what it is, uh, but one of my co-hosts for the last exit for the lost, he was like driving home and he pulled over. There's a uh, an artesian well place by where he lives, and he pulled over to get some water. And he looked up because he saw something and then like everything lit up and he was like freaking out, messaging me about it. And then he looked it up and he's like, oh, I apparently saw this satellite and that's what happens when you see it. Oh, that's pretty cool, though. Yeah. You know, the, I mean, it'd be cooler if it was a UFO, but it's also pretty cool that it does. That. Yeah. And I, I don't remember the details because yeah. I had heard of it before. And then, you know, and then that happened to him. And I'm like, I, that might have been that satellite. But that was a few years ago, so I don't actually remember the details of it. Yeah, I know you've talked about seeing little lights in a cemetery yes. that had a stream near it. Yes, a stream running through it. Right. That's yeah, and, and it's also directly between uh, downtown Ithaca and Cornell University. So it's on a hill in a very liminal spot. Right. Uh, and there's a Buddhist temple two blocks away. And what I've been told, and I haven't been able to find anything to back this up, but I've been told that they established the temple there because they said it was the third most powerful energy spot on the planet. Hmm. That's interesting. Yes. Okay, lights well, make sense now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, for real. Seems like the perfect spot for lights, really. Yeah, and usually with that, it's like there's this one particular area that's right above a, uh, it's like a circle of trees with one tomb in the middle. Um, I actually put up video of it at some point walking up to it. Uh, and it's above a Civil War graveyard or a section that's Civil, Civil War. And there's a stream running right in between where you're standing and where the Civil War section is. And if you stand up there at night long enough, you most of the time you will eventually see little lights floating across the other side. And it's something that I've brought people up there just to hang out. We're sitting there talking, and eventually they'll be like, I keep seeing lights over there. And it's like, yep, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> what color are they? Uh, all different colors. Yeah. <laughs> okay. They're faint. It's the same ones I see here. They're, they're faint. They're not bright, you know, but you, they're, if you've been in the dark long enough, you notice them. Mm -hmm. yeah. The other experience I had there walking through uh, with my girlfriend at the time, uh, this is probably 20 years ago now, and uh, she also had very active Kundalini. 
And as we're walking through the graveyard, we were literally swarmed by little lights, almost like insects, except they were very definitely not insect. They were multicolored lights. And we're walking along and we are also walking with a friend of ours who turned out to be kind of a total narcissist. Um, and so we're walking along and this starts happening and I'm looking like, Whoa, that's cool. And finally she goes, you're seeing this, right? And I'm like, yep, totally seeing this. And so we describe it to each other and our friend looks over and goes, what? And it's like, you're not seeing the lights. He's like, I don't see any lights. Mm. And then, right, and we, we were supposed to be meeting up with a couple of other friends. And just as we got to the point, just before our friend made a noise to let us know where she was, they just started off into space. They just, like, shot away from us. And then we heard her. And it's like, that was weird. You know? They were done. Yeah. <laughs> Four people was too many people. <laughs> They're introverted lights. Yeah, apparently. They, they don't do big groups. They just. I yep. mean, I, I believe that maybe they didn't want to run into somebody else's energy or something like Possibly. that. Because these things do seem to get attuned to certain people and to prefer to show themselves to those people and not other yes. people. Yeah. Although it was weird that, that, that the other guy we were with didn't see anything. Well, clearly he was just a jerk. To say the least. The narcissist part, I, I, you know, sometimes that kind of personality is just so overwhelmingly centered on themselves that they don't see past well, that. Well, that certainly could be. I mean, we don't know how we're perceiving this stuff. I, I, I know for certain that we're not perceiving quite the same realities. And whether it's that stuff is yeah. just there and some people see it and some people don't, or if we're literally perceiving slightly different realities, it's hard to say. It, it, yeah. The, and that's one of those things that I, I do wonder about because, you know, Morgana and I and Kendra have all seen the little lights in various times here in Athens, often when we're together. And most of the time, our our understandings of them agree, but not always. Every now and then we'll see slightly different things. Right. And with Chad and Tim Renner, they see slightly different things too. Yeah. And I just think that's really, really interesting. Um, I do have a photograph and Morgana has a photograph, both of them of lights, light phenomena. And Interestingly, there is light that can affect a digital camera. So there is physically some light there doing something, right. but they don't look as they looked when we saw them. Yeah. So there is also some part of our brain that interprets. Absolutely. Uh, and so, the, yeah, I, I, again, that, you know, those, those pictures don't prove anything other than, well, there is, there are photons present that can interact with a digital camera. Right. And it also shows that there is something in our brains that also is involved. It's not just the visual cortex. Yeah. And you figure it's not just our, your, your brain is basically a filter. 
I mean, it's filtering out ninety percent of what it's taking in as unimportant. Yes, definitely. So we don't right. go crazy. So we're not completely overwhelmed and we could survive. But at the same time, it's also making an interpretation of what those things are. Yes. Absolutely. And absolutely. And the book I always refer to is the Invisible Gorilla book because they do a, such a great job of experiments with just how we perceive things. And it's really incredible to realize how little we perceive. You know, like they'll do an experiment where uh, someone walks onto a college campus and they'll stop someone and ask for directions to a building. And while they're getting the directions, someone will walk in between them carrying something opaque, like a door or something like that. And while that happens, they'll switch the person who was asking for directions. And 90% of people don't even notice it's a different person. See, paranoid people like Morgana and I would be like, well, I, nah, mm -mm. or not. Or not. It no, would depend on I, how drastically I, I different they were. The so if, if, yeah, I'm just so paranoid, though. I'd be like, oh, oh, no. If, if, they, if they changed a man to woman, people would notice. If they changed, uh, you know, like black, uh, have it be a black person and then a white person, then they would notice. But if yeah. it was like if it was a white guy and then the door goes in between them and now it's a different white guy. Yeah, that it depends like, on, on what what the difference is you're right i mean maybe maybe if they just had slightly darker hair or something i wouldn't i wouldn't catch well and that. what what they were saying though is that what the brain does is the brain makes assumptions so the brain is assuming that this is the same person because why wouldn't it be so the brain doesn't alert you to the fact that this has now changed right unless you get something drastic you know where then it's like the brain's going wait a minute Something's not right. See, now I want to do this to somebody <laughs> and I see know, what right? happens. I, f I feel like it, sh it was probably a sketch on Trigger Happy TV at some point. <laughs> because I, I can completely see why your brain wouldn't Wait. bother to double right. check because it's already it's it. It does fill in the blank. Yes. Yeah. And that's its purpose. And that's also why we get pareidolia, because it's like, hey, eyes, tiger. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> that bush is actually a tiger. And, you know, I, there's, a, there's a tiger in that bush. Really? And, and I think that's why we get such a diversity of paranormal experiences, too, is that until something gets established, I think the brain just kind of goes, what is that? I don't know what that is. It must be a monster or something scary, because I don't know what it is. And it fills that in based on maybe something you've seen in a movie or, or just nonsense. Who knows? But once, once it's been established, so if there's a bunch of Bigfoot sightings in one area and then someone else encounters whatever this is, you know, their brain goes, this must be the Bigfoot they're talking about. Right. And hence you get slightly different descriptions of the same creature, but it's close enough that you know it's the same creature. I can see that. Yeah. Not to mention maybe yeah, I mean, Tulpa ish too. Yeah. Well, yeah. I do think there's also an element of that. Um, having accidentally made a Tulpa as a teenager. Really? Yes. <laughs> me well, and me, me and my best friend um, would tell stories and we did that from when we were 12 well into our 20s and we would put a lot of 
emotion and effort into these like long running epic tales. And one day my boss said, I thought I saw you the other day. And I said, no. And he described how he at first thought this person was me, but then he realized it was a man and he described this person and this person was dressed as and had the exact physical features of and down to having um, a buck knife strapped to his left leg as one of our characters. And he was just walking down the street. And like exact perfect description. And it freaked me out. And I was like, okay, where did you see this person? And he's like, on Court Street. And I was like, okay. So I get home, I tell my friend, and she's like, okay, maybe we need to pause that story for a while then because they're getting loose. <laughs> well, that's that's like authors who are like, well, you know, I invent this character and then the character's telling me how the story's going. Right. Well, and, and Alan Moore tells the story of having seen John Constantine. Right, right. In a sandwich shop in London. And he said that he was standing in line waiting for his order. And John Constantine walked in the door exactly as he saw him when he wrote the stories, exactly as he's drawn. Um, and he looked straight at Alan Moore, sort of tipped his head in a little nod and grinned at him and then turned on his heel and walked into the other room of the sandwich shop. And Alan Moore said he declined to go into that room to see if he was still there because <laughs> he just really didn't want to know. Right. Um, now, I had a similar experience and it was, you know, it was a guy who looked exactly like John Constantine. And it was one of those things that I'm sure there's a real explanation for it. And I'm sure that he was just a guy who bleached his hair and happened to dress exactly like John Constantine. But it was at Kroger's and I was leaving the checkout. I was about to leave. And at the self-checkout station where they have, um, you know, they, they station a sad person there who has to deal with when you screw up the machines. Mm. And there was a, a young man standing there with the bleached hair, the tie that was kind of half loosened, the, scraggly trench coat the dress shirt the dress pants the shoes and he was and, and cigarettes in his pocket and he was leaned on the the counter where he's supposed to stand with this disgusted look on his face like why am i here clearly he's staking something out right and he's leaning and he looks at me and i was like he doesn't have a name tag on. <laughs> if he had a name tag on and it said, John, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> but I looked at him and he looked at me and he just had this look on his face. Like, I don't even know why I'm here, but some fool in your town has summoned a demon <laughs> and I don't appreciate it, lady. Now you go and tell him to get out and stop that. <laughs> it's just the way he looked at me. And I was like, I'm just, I'm going home. I don't even know. I don't want to know. I'm just going. If I see any other comic book characters, I'm just not even, I'm not, I don't want to well, know. I don't, you know, you know. get those stories too of kids seeing like Bugs Bunny and stuff like that. 
Uh-huh. And it's kind of like, okay, well, we know Bugs Bunny's not real, but what is there? Are they encountering something? And their brain just goes, I don't know, Bugs Bunny. <laughs> yeah. Or does it does it take the shape of something that's in the kid's right. brain? Right. So that the kid doesn't go ah. And exactly. I, th- I think I don't remember. I th- was it Tim who was talking about some kind of cartoon character that was under a uh, a uh, house trailer and was trying to get a kid to come. Yeah. That sounds familiar. I did not like that story at all. (laughs) It did not kind of the it vibe, you know? Yeah. I was like, Oh, so that's like the clown in the drain. No. And and who knows? Maybe that's where it came from. You know, that, that whole concept. Yeah. Yeah. We'd like to blame that on Stephen King, but you know, it could have just been he read a story that was true. True. I mean, I think reality is a lot more morphic than people realize or understand because it seems like we're dealing with a very solid thing that's very material. And it's it, and it is in some cases, but there's also a lot of it that's not. Yeah. There's an interplay. I always, when I was a kid and I, I hit that age where I was realizing dragons aren't real. Wait, wait, dragons aren't real. I know. And I, I was very, very sad about this. Um, and I remember talking to my grandfather about it and he was like, you know, I know you've been reading John Keelan, so I know you know about Tulpa's well. Isn't it possible if authors have focused so hard on so many books that they have created their own Tulpa realities and that's on one of those worlds, dragons are real, like Anne McCaffrey, somewhere there are dragons. Right. <laughs> it's going to be okay, kid. And I wonder about that. Like to this day, I'm like, I wonder if so many authors and imaginations in this world that have focused so hard on so many things, if they don't create little pockets of their own imaginary reality that just is inhabited by things from their right. mind. And it's, it's possible. I mean, some people will say that anything that can exist does exist somewhere. Well, I just I want there to be dragons. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I kind of hope somebody's making some stuff that's possible that doesn't suck. You know, <laughs> it's like, well, so, so I, I, you need that balance of good and bad though. I mean, I, it, oh yeah. I don't want it to be, you know, Mary sunshine, but. I, you know, I, I always, not I always love the bit in the in the one of the later Matrix movies where they're trying to explain why they picked the reality they did, and and they they're going, well, look, we gave you like paradise, and you were unhappy with it. Yeah, yeah, Agent Smith says yeah. that it didn't work. It didn't work. You didn't believe yeah. it. And whereas this, this one yeah. that's you know mostly miserable but has some some light in it here and there, this you'll accept. What does this say about humanity? <laughs> and it's true. We were built for things to most. If, it, well, if you lived in a paradise, you would have nothing to compare that to. So it would just become boring at a point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, would it? Like, if you didn't know what normal life was like. Yeah, but you wouldn't you would have no comparison. I mean, yeah. 
It's like if like, the only color were red, we wouldn't see red. That's like fishes don't know about water until you take a right. bite of it. And then they're like, what the hell is this? Get me back. <laughs> yeah, this sucks. Something has changed and whatever it is, I don't like it. <laughs> and then somebody cuts off their head and peels off their yeah. skin. And fries them in a pan. It's, it's not or occasionally good. throws them back and they're like, what just happened to me? <laughs> I'm so oh, confused. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> alien abduction yeah. right there. You know, I was abducted. I was caught up by this very ugly creature and I couldn't breathe and I couldn't see very well, but they were very ugly and they were gigantic. And they had this stuff on their heads and their mouths were weird. <laughs> and then they let me go and I, I, it, it, I could breathe again. Yeah, that's that's alien abduction right there. Poor little fish. Do you think it's connected to those legs we sometimes see? No, that's a crazy <laughs> idea. It can't be. It cannot different. possibly be that. And those hooks certainly have nothing to do with the giant swimming things that are only at the surface and make terrible right. noises. Because they don't resemble each other whatsoever. So no, why would right. we connect them? Poor fish. <laughs> Poor us. <laughs> Getting nabbed by, I don't know what. I will say, as far, as much as like humans get scared of monsters and create monsters, so far I don't think anybody's been eaten. Hmm. But then, I don't know yeah, if you would know. Other... <laughs> well, I was about to say, there's there's been plenty of disappearances. But the the one guy supposedly down in South America who melted after encountering a light that valet talks about. That's right. That one freaks me out. I don't yeah. like it. Although that if one, I remember, he wasn't in pain, but like his skin was literally yeah. melting off of him. Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. You're making the face that you do not like that. At all, I I'm just thinking that's that's too close to radiation burns, and that is not a pleasant way to go. Oh, I wouldn't think so. I just I just read about Chernobyl again, and just no, it's my depressing bedtime reading. Uh, And and I love when stuff happens. It's you know, and I don't think it matters what country it is that they always try to quiet it at first instead of just saying hey. We got a problem. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even three mile. Yeah. Three mile island, even Japan, when the the earthquake hit, I mean, we knew something was wrong, but I think they downplayed just how serious it was. They did. I remember sitting, sitting there going, no, 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 no. That's, that is not going to turn out as nicely as you're saying. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, and it's still an issue. I mean, yeah. Chernobyl's at least under control. Yes, it is. Um, and I think that instinct to to hide was always going to stifle any type of disclosure. Well, 
ever from any government. And, and we saw we saw that with COVID too. Whether it's man-made or it's it's natural, I mean, China tried to quiet it when it was when. Yeah. Humans are governments and humans are not good at just copying That's the things. True. And it's it's always funny to me that so many like stories, whether they be movies, TV series, books, are based around the fact that people aren't telling other people the whole story. And that's what makes everything complicated. Right. And then we sit here watching it going, well, why didn't you just tell her? And then in real life, like we just we don't actually right, just tell right. her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What is it? Is it the Kurosawa movie? Is it Rashomon? That's all the different viewpoints of the same storyline. I, I think that's the name of it. Yeah. And, and it's like, so which one's correct? And it's, of course, it's something in between all of the different viewpoints. Well, they're all correct to their viewpoint. Exactly. That, that was the other thing with the invisible gorilla. They were talking about, about how, how unreliable even vivid memories are. Um, but they said that memories are formed from a combination of what actually happened, your emotional state, and what you think, like how you interpreted what happened as opposed to what actually happened. Right. And so it's not so much right or wrong. It's just very individualistic. And apparently when we recall memory, it's not like we're picking a, I don't know, a DVD no. out of our brain of exactly what we recorded at that time that we reinterpret it as we tell the story or as we remember it, or as we write it down or whatever it is we're doing, yes. that it changes subtly with each retelling. Even if you try really, really hard to not change. Yes. It. Yeah. And some people have, have are better at that than others, but no one has a perfect memory. It just doesn't exist. And there's so much like, so the book I'm working on, on, on my own experiences, I mean, it's sort of just autobiographical and it, it focuses on those things. But from 1991 to the present with some gaps, I wrote down a lot of stuff. It was just everyday stuff. And I especially did it up to about 98 or so from 91 to 98. And there's so much stuff like in a daily basis where when you think back, you went, oh, that all that stuff went by so fast. But when you really like sit down and you have to read through all this stuff, it's like, how far am I? Oh, I'm only a year from when I started. I feel like I've been reading forever, you know? <laughs> and it's all those yeah. little things you just don't commit to memory because they weren't important. You know, they weren't major, major things that stuck in your memory. So when you look back, you remember just those important things. And it seems like, oh, that went by really fast when it really didn't. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with COVID too, with the lockdown, I think, you know, people are like, oh, it feels like people are saying either it felt like time went by really fast or too slow. And it's because I don't think we had a lot of events that really stood out. Yeah. The yeah. days blurred. We didn't have a lot of things to mark days with. You know, those and and there weren't those, oh yeah, I went to this place or this concert or saw this person because you didn't. Yeah. So everything became very yeah, you mundane. Had, you had no markers of time to put into your memory yeah. and 
And I find reading back on some of this stuff, maybe because I wrote it down, I remember it more accurately. That's that's scientific um, research has shown that if you write something down, you remember it more accurately. And it's not typing it, it's yeah. writing it. Yeah. It's writing it longhand. That I wonder why. Why the difference between typing and writing? It has something to do with the the formation of the letters with your hand that makes it stay. It's I think I think it slows it down enough that you pay attention to each letter in each. I could word. be. Um, because I mean, okay, I, I'm a touch typist who learned on a typewriter. So I don't think right. when I type right. yeah. at all. I think of the words, but I don't look at the keyboard and I just type and I type really, really fast on a computer. And, and, you know, and there's a particular sound that I make when I'm typing really, really fast on a computer and hitting the keys at a certain cadence and with a certain amount of force that Zach knows I'm telling somebody on the internet they're wrong. <laughs> No, he can feel it. Even the 14 year old is like, mom, you're telling somebody they're wrong again, aren't you? And I'm like, yep. And it's a tapity, 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 tap, 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 you know, it's a particular sound. But it's such a futile endeavor to tell anyone they're wrong on the internet. I know, but sometimes I can't help it. It makes her happy. I don't try and stop her anymore. I'm just like, oh, mom, you just do you. Just go to Facebook jail again, mom. Go ahead. <laughs> They'll get you. <laughs> um, yeah. The, uh, yeah. Eventually they'll figure out that saltine is a, is, is an insult. <laughs> I'll, I'll go back. I, I, what, um, one of the weirder experiences <laughs> I had, which also was something that someone with us did not witness. If you want me to tell that, because it relates to how I remembered it. Yes. Um, so there was this, there's this potter's field uh, that where they buried all the Willard psychiatric patients uh, and most of them without gravestones or any kind of markers whatsoever. Also, there is a civil war cemetery and an old Jewish graveyard and a few other things. Uh, most of it at this point, when we were hanging out up there, it was completely overrun. Like you wouldn't even know you were in a graveyard for the most part. Um, we walked up there one day, just, for the hell of it, because it it's a cliff. It's at the top of this cliff that overlooks looks Seneca Lake, and it's a beautiful spot. And eventually, along the edge of the cliff, we built a little bench that we could just go and hang out at. And uh, I actually just posted a picture of what's left of that bench on my Facebook because the, over the last 20 years or so, the, the growth has lifted the bench up and threw it over the side of the cliff. But all that's left is a few pieces of wood on the side of the cliff that's just kind of mangled up in there. But uh, so we had two sections that we had cut out into the along the edge of the cliff, the main section and then the secondary section. And we're at this secondary section, three of us. Uh, another friend of ours was at the other, the main section, which was quite a distance away, but we could see him. And uh, as we're sitting there or standing there, the tree just starts the tree that's blocking our view of the field where the graves are just starts shaking. And you can feel this thud, thud, thud against the ground. And I'm thinking it's a deer. 
You know, I'm thinking this thing's running its horns against the, the tree. And I'm like, this is probably not good. And my friend starts yeah. freaking out. He's like, what's that? I'm like, I'm betting it's a deer and we might have to slide down the cliff to get away from it. And so I, I carefully walk back along the trail till I can see the other side and there's nothing there. And all the shaking stops. Mm. And he's like, what was it? I'm like, I don't know. There's nothing there. And I walk back and it starts doing it again. And I'm like, what the hell? So I walk back around and this time I walk all the way out into the field and there is nothing. And he's yelling to me, what's out there? And I'm like, nothing. There's literally nothing here. And so I walk all the way back and it starts doing it again. And he's my one friend is losing his mind. And finally, our, my other friend goes, what the hell are you guys talking about? And we both stop, look at him. And we're like the tree shaking and the thudding. He's like, the tree's not moving. I don't know what. And he thought we were playing a joke on him, but was starting to lose that impression because our, our other friend was freaking out so badly. And wow. like, so we look over and our other friend is still sitting on the bench on the other side. And it's like, and so that both of these guys are now like, we got to go, let's leave. And I'm like, yeah, okay, let's leave. And we start to leave as our friend starts walking over toward us. And we yell to him. I was like, do you see anything on the field? And he just starts throwing rocks out there for no particular reason. He's like, no, there's nothing there. Why? And we're like, well, the tree's shaking. He's like, yeah, I'm throwing rocks. And we're like, why the hell are you throwing rocks? And you were sitting down when this was happening. So it's almost like, did he notice something wasn't right and started throwing rocks in that direction? You know, <laughs> like it made no sense that he was doing that. Yeah. Yeah, that's and weird. That's really from strange. my memory, I thought the person who saw the stuff was the friend who was also with me when the scream happened and all this other stuff happened. Because he was the one that was around me when weird stuff happened all the time. And so I figured, well, he must have been the one who who saw it and our other friend who has never been around me when weird stuff happened must have been the one who didn't until I reread the entry and went, "What? Oh, I had that backwards. Like everything else, I had exactly how it was, except I switched them. And I switched them, I think, because it made more sense. Right. That's funny. And what I also realized that is as I've been funny. writing the book is that this came in the midst of a whole bunch of other weird stuff happening. It was just like this batch of weirdness uh, right after I was given the name Soraya. And it goes on for about a month and then it stops. And then there's another batch of wit that was like in June. And then there's another batch of weirdness in like September and nothing in between. Huh. That's really interesting. And I didn't realize all these things were so close to one another. So I was kind of like, oh yeah, this happened. And then this happened. And as I'm putting this together, I'm going, holy crap, these things happened right on top of one another. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And then I randomly commented that there was high sunspot activity, and I'm like, well, that's useful and interesting. I'm glad I marked that down because there's a there is a connection between psi and high uh, solar activity that Robert Schock has brought to light. So, you know, over right. over the century of psi research, people in labs get better results during high solar activity which means the sun is affecting whatever it is that psi is in us. That is fascinating. You, I, I always thought it would be the other way around, like that would interfere, but apparently it energizes it. Right. 
which again mm-hmm. shows us how connected we are to the environment. Yeah. Do you often have clusters of weirdness? I wasn't aware of having clusters of weirdness. <laughs> Until you read back. Yeah, so as I progress, I can answer that question better. But as of this point, back then I had clusters of weirdness. Now you just have I, I don't know, because I, you know, I write them down and I don't, you know, look back on it too often. So. Well, I will wait for your book to have that question answered. I was hoping to have the book done by October. That's simply not going to happen. But uh, hopefully by the beginning of next year. And what what worries me is there's parts where I didn't write down a lot. And I'm like, okay, I'm actually going to have to use memory for some of this. I don't like that idea. Now that we know how mutable memory <laughs> well, is. I've always known that. And that's why I wrote stuff down. But at a certain point, so much of this stuff happened that I was just like, when, when I started writing it down, it was almost like, I need a record so I can make sure I'm not crazy, that I'm not inflating this stuff, that you know, I'm writing down exactly what happened, what was happening around it, et cetera, et cetera. Because that was kind of what I was told to do by whatever was telling me to do different things. And so like when I hit a point where I, was like, okay, I now have no doubt that this stuff is real, that the things I've been shown are real because all of them have come to pass. I stopped recording stuff. Yeah. Okay. And so from for a few years, I have very little written down, and then I started recording stuff, but it could be like once every three to six months, I'd make a really long entry kind of summing up the last few months. And I'm like, well, that's going to change how I'm writing this because right now I'm writing from day to day and it's like, okay, that was interesting. I'll put that down. It might be a line, you know, like this happened on this day and then, you know, the next entry or whatever. So we'll see how that ends up. (laughs) I'm sure it will be good. I'm not unhappy with what I have so far. I am sure it will be good. I certainly can't write a book, so I'm impressed by anyone who can get one written or started or anything. (laughs) I can write research papers. That's what I can write. I I, I go through bouts of stuff where I can just write a ton, but then I go for a while where I'm like, I can't, I can't write. But once I can write, I can write a lot. In fact, the whole Necrozombies movie I wrote in one night. Like, I just, I started with an idea and I sat down and I wrote the entire movie. And I went, cool. Where did this come from? <laughs> That's awesome. I've written some film scripts, never had them, you know, produced, but I've written them. So I'm impressed that you can write a whole one in a night. Yeah, well, it was short. But I mean, I had the whole thing laid out. I had dialogue. I had everything. And then we changed most of it anyway, but that's fine because that's how I work. But just the fact that I was able to do that and I'm like, where did that even come from? Like I, I had one idea and it's like, it just kind of filled itself in. Yeah. You know, sometimes when I'm painting, I'm not even, you know, I look back on stuff that I did and somebody's like, well, how did you, what techniques did you use to do that? And I'm like, you know, honestly, I, I don't yeah. know really. 
anymore. You know, I, I, there's a lot of layers in there. There's a lot of different media. I can tell you some of the media, but what was going on in my head as that was going on? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I've done that with video things where I've, I've created something in video. And then like two years later, I'm looking at it going, how did I even do this? <laughs> like, that's a cool yeah. effect. What did I do? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Zach, Zach has a degree in digital art and um, he used to be able to look at his stuff and go, oh, I use this program layered with that program and then that one and that one. And then now he looks at it and goes, ah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I did something. So <laughs> I think that's part of just what happens with art, though. Like you get yeah. seized and you just go and you don't. It's it's almost like a channeling right. process for some internal part of your brain that doesn't always speak, but sometimes sings. And then you just kind of go with it and then you're done and it's made and it's beautiful and you're so happy with it. And then you're like, I have no idea how that <laughs> happened. And I'm okay yes. with that. Yeah. <laughs> and that makes sense that, you know, people have, people call right. that the muse. And that makes perfect sense to me. And people used to channel the dead and things to make art too, as part of yeah. their artistic process, which also makes sense to me. Because it doesn't—it doesn't matter yeah, if it, if it's really the dead. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's just Definitely. how you get in touch with that part of yeah. yourself, and, and, or the collective unconscious, or whatever. Right. And is. if it's real to you, then it's then it's technically real to you. You know. Yes. Yeah. People are always so so caught up on the is it real? It's like, well, if the person has an experience and it affects them, then it's real. It may not be what they're saying it is, but it was a real experience that had a, a an effect on them, you know? Yeah, have you heard about the the brouhaha kerfluffle over um Travis Walton? That's happening yeah. on the internet. Yeah, somewhere. I saw uh whatchamacallit's article on. I reposted it actually. Uh I am blanking on it. Thank Susan you. Demeter. Yes. So I met yeah. Travis. There is nothing about Travis that gave me the slightest indication that he was anything but honest about his experience. Uh-huh. Uh, I feel like he's one of the few cases that there's nothing really suspicious there. Yeah. I don't, you know, my, my, my theory is that he came across a very large ball of plasma that discharged into him, not, not aliens, yeah. but regardless, I do believe what he is describing and what he is saying was what happened to him. Yeah. Yeah. I always believed what, what he said as well. Um, he, he just felt to me like a genuine yes. person. Yeah. Um, and I, I always felt a lot of the same about Betty and Barney Hill. For one thing, there hadn't been umpty umpty millions and zillions of, uh, abduction cases yet. So they had no previous knowledge of the pattern. They set the pattern, you know, in their experience. And the fact that they were an interracial couple at that time and period. they were both civil rights workers in the 60s 
just said to me, they would not go to the police or the media for any reason, unless something happened to them that really frightened them. And now of course you have all the hypnosis mixed into there and hypnosis doesn't recover memories. So, I mean, what really happened to them, we'll never know, but something happened to them. Certainly. Yes. And there's no reason to doubt that. The only thing I would question is whether or not, you know, some three letter agency used them to achieve some sort of agenda after they had an experience. Yeah. I wonder about that too. But I don't, of course, we are the X-Files generation. So. Well, the, there's enough weird connections in there uh, that make it mm-hmm. suspicious. And it's not like the government yeah. wouldn't do something like that. And by government, I mean whichever agency yeah. of the government might have been playing mind games at the time. All of which were playing mind games already with exactly. the civil rights workers in that era. Like some pretty terrible mind games, like driving people out of the country. Yeah. Mind no, games. I mean, as far as their story, I believe them. I don't think they were lying. I think they believed everything they said. And I think they had a real experience, regardless of what that experience was. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, again, I'm more inclined to believe someone than disbelieve because I'd rather err on the side of belief. Yeah, I I would rather believe someone who's lying than not believe someone who's telling the truth. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it does least harm. Yeah, because if you believe someone that's lying, oh, well, you know, at worst, you've muddied a little more data, which is already muddy. Versus not believing someone who's had an experience that they they really that it you know it's bothering them, and then more people just don't believe them, yeah, yeah, that's I mean that people are generally often already traumatized from whatever they've yeah. experienced, and then to disbelieve them opens those wounds again over and over it's. I I refuse to re-traumatize. Right, it makes somebody. it makes them feel yeah, alone. I'm just, yeah, yeah, and that's that's a horrible, horrible thing to do to people. So yeah, this this particular you know kerfluffle on the internet, I'm kind of like, oh, this is not a good thing that's happening. Why? Is and this and happening? this is mostly, if I'm not mistaken, um, UFO Twitter doing this, which you know they they were all about their disclosure, which of course didn't happen. Uh, as as we have been saying on my show over and over, it wasn't going to happen. It's the same game they play every few years. Nothing ever comes out. I mean, you get little tidbits here and there, but even the stuff that got released in the last few years was stuff that was already released. I am yeah. sure there are, you know, things out there that the government has, and I don't necessarily think they have ships because I don't think this stuff is as physical as people want to make it, but I'm sure there's some great video and other evidence of unknown things in our skies out there that they're never going to show us. You know? And I mean, they'll, they'll, they give us the stuff that's really questionable and doesn't really tell us anything. It's the least threatening or least scary looking thing they can show us. They're going to pick that. And honestly, I don't know if I can blame them entirely. I don't know if I would want to say to, 
all of America right now, hey, UFOs are definitely real, which they did say. They're like, UAPs are a thing that is happening. We don't know what they are. But that that's different than saying, you know, UFOs are totally real, guys, like right now when things and are super they basically tense. repeated what Project Blue Book said. Project Blue Book did not say that there yep. weren't UFOs. They said that these things... Uh, some of which are unexplained, are not a threat to national security. And, yes. and now they have said that it's possibly a threat to national security, which I thought... Yeah, but they still kind of lean toward the probably not. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, they have... Oh, certainly. You don't want to get everybody all, like, freaked out. You just don't. It's a bad idea. I feel like they want funding yes. for something, which is why they're like, it's a little bit of a threat to national yep. security. Give us money. Which is probably to militarize space. Yeah, which yeah. is just, please no. Do we have to? Of course we have to. Everything has please. to be preparing for war. Yeah. Always. <sighs> this leads me to my possibly silliest question that I wanted to ask you, but you seemed like a good person to ask this question. Do you think in the future, are we going to get Mad Max or are we going to get Star Trek? <laughs> Maybe. Or are we going to get Babylon 5, which is kind of... Yeah. It's in between. That's the realistic well, you middle. Know, the rich people will have Star Trek while the poor people have Mad Max. That's what I'm kind of worried about. <laughs> well, now, in Star Trek, you have a, a Mad Max period before you get actual True. Star Trek. There is a period of, of just really horrific humans doing terrible things to each other for a good long time. Well, we already have that. Yeah. Yeah. But it gets worse in, in the Star Trek universe, like really bad. <laughs> We're working on that. I know we are. I mean, we are trying you know humanity so is trying to be terrible so far we're we're hitting the timeline targets to go really bad before we get like, part of the problem post part of the problem is that people are so set in their beliefs and their way of thinking and i mean mainstream media and stuff on both sides just kind of like pushes that because it protects the people at top you know, it, it's it's kind of what the purge was trying to to make commentary on. You know, the people at top, you can do whatever you want, just don't touch the people at top. You know, go go ahead, kill each other, do yeah. you know, crimes legal, except for you know the politicians, the rich people at top, you don't touch them. Yeah, and now we have just Bezos right. going to space. Where, well, and- Amazon workers are are treated like absolute garbage. And he's thanking yep. them. Yeah. And like you could pay right. them, man. Be, <laughs> that would be better. Pay taxes instead of going to, to space. Yeah. Maybe well, he could pay he's taxes and still go to space. What was that? I mean, that rich. He could still pay taxes that and is still also go true. to space. He could pay taxes, pay for his workers to have a decent living wage. And still go to space. That's yep. how rich that yep. dude is. And made more, more rich. Like, those are numbers that make my head go, I can't even yeah. think that high. Just stop. And, you know, I mean, it made more rich because of COVID. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because people couldn't, you know, leave their houses yeah. to go grocery shopping. Safe or just order stuff from Amazon. Go to Target. Yep. 
but I mean, yeah. as as far as the way things are going, it's hard to say. I mean, there's 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 a lot of hopeful, optimistic people out there, but the system is so ingrained. And yeah. I'm one of those people who think we're the planet's just overpopulated. And I'm not I'm not saying we should have any kind of radical population reduction or anything. But I think the next thing we're going to be fighting over is things like clean water. Yeah, agree. I, I think that's that's where Mad right. Max comes right. in. And, and although yeah. I have, I definitely I do the believe case. the last I heard, the overall population trend has been going down slightly. I saw that too. Um, I can't remember which news source I saw that in. Um, but I did see that, yes. and I think that's a good thing because there are there are more than enough of us. And you know, <laughs> oh yeah, also we're terrible. <laughs> we don't need and more. That, that. That also comes down to how you're raising your kids and things like that. And that's true. I, you know, I I do get hopeful though because a lot of kids seem to be way more aware than kids were and, when I was a kid because I was the weird kid that you know, read that we had a population problem starting, you know, yeah. in the early seventies, I was reading that stuff and going, Oh God, stop having right. a million right. children. You know, that's bad. That's, you know, and, um, and some of the, you know, some of that was advocating birth control all over West Virginia and high school. And some of that you know? comes from, you know, religion. I mean, cause in the Bible, it says, Oh, go, oh, you know, be fruitful, et cetera, et cetera. And I look at that and I say, so this was written at a time right after the, the human race survived the end of the Ice Age and probably almost was wiped out. So, yes, you want to populate as yeah. much as possible. That is a message you need to get out there. But it's, but the, the reason, yeah, the reason for the message was lost, and that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's like, you know, if you look at the Ten Commandments, and you analyze it from the perspective of a means to create a culture and to keep that culture together. Wow. That really yes. makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that whole be fruitful and multiply really makes sense when you think about, Oh yeah, the, the end of the ice age was around then and you've got the fertile crescent and all that stuff happening in there. Yeah. It does make sense, but the churches don't want you thinking no. about it that way. And they don't want you, you know, that's why I got kicked out of Sunday school like a few times and, that's it's, you know, was asked not to go back to Bible camp. And, you know, my mom told my dad and was like, she got kicked out of Bible camp. And he was, he looked at me and went, good job. What'd nice. you do? <laughs> and she said, well, she didn't really, it wasn't what she did. It's what she said. And he, for a second, he had a, oh, oh no, you know, and then he was like, you know, well, what did you say? And I pointed out that there wasn't a real mm. Adam and Eve, that it was just a, a, a myth. It was a metaphor for, you know, explaining how humans came to be. That was, Baptists don't like it when right. you say things like that. They get very angry. Um. Which is okay. We weren't Baptists, but you know that meant my mom had to put up with me during the day, so she wasn't happy. And that's why it's dogma. And I mean, you know, people aren't allowed to question it. Yeah, belief and, is the enemy. And with most things go. in our world today, it's like either you have to believe in the Bible or you don't believe in any of it. 
instead of saying, well, you can believe that this was based on something real without taking it, you know, 100% literally. No. And I mean, and when you talk to someone like with, uh, when you're talking about UFOs and you say to someone, you know, they'll be like, Oh, do you believe in aliens? And it's like, well, yes. Oh, so you believe in UFOs? It's like, Yes, but I don't know that those two things are the same thing. Because <laughs> it's either you believe in aliens, hence UFOs, or you don't believe in any of it. Right. Yeah, there's there's no there's no, no. middle ground in these things. And there's there's no I don't know. It it's it's one of those things that's you know, I'm I'm fascinated that that we can talk about UFOs, at least, you know, now that the government has said, well, okay, so there's some things up there. We right. don't know what they are. Well, that's good. Cause that means we can at least say there are things up there. We don't know what they are. And that doesn't mean that yeah. we're crazy because we believe that because at least the government also acknowledges that there are things up there. And, we and really, I don't care if people think I'm crazy, whatever. You know, I don't really think. But, yeah. Yeah. That's, I don't really care about that, but I'd like some other, you know, some scientists to not feel like yes. they're going to be run yeah. out of, you know, town for believing it. So they can at least apply their knowledge and skills towards yeah. looking at yeah. it and thinking about it and not and get some funding. <laughs> because for we're something other a than capitalistic system. <laughs> yeah. Where knowledge has to be, knowledge for knowledge's sake is not necessarily yeah. rewarded and not necessarily given the same amount of funding as knowledge for, say, making unmanned drones right. that can shoot right. people. Yeah, because that's a good idea because Please these people never watch Terminators. Or they watch. I swear. That's what I, I, some people watch sci fi and go, that's all a really good idea yes. and miss the yeah. point. Well, you know, the the thing is, a lot of stuff, there's a middle ground that probably works best. And nobody wants to go to that middle ground. No. Like, you know, I, I'm someone who could say, well, I don't necessarily think capitalism is evil. However, I'm totally okay with everyone being, I mean, we're civilized enough that no one should want for food, somewhere to live, health care. I mean, that stuff should just be a given for everybody on the freaking planet at this point at the same time, it's totally okay for companies to, you know, work harder to make, you know, for people to work harder, make a little more money, have some independence. But what we actually have are corporations running everything. Yes. And, and billionaires, I'm still trying to figure out the purpose of that. It's not, not, it doesn't mean the same thing to them. It's just, it's an achievement, no. you know? Oh, I have this much more. Look. Oh, now I have this much more. It does Take a rock climbing. <laughs> but they have to compete against one another, you know? Then they can all have a rock climbing team. Like, go try and get in the Olympics no, or something, guys. As, I right, guess this exactly. is why they're all going to space now. <laughs> it's the, it's compete exactly. to see if you can get to space. That is exactly what it is. Which... Is both really cool because I like there being, I like the idea of there being space races that are 
privately funded as well as na- right. nationally funded space races. But does it have to be <laughs> such jerks? That's how you get rich. You're a jerk. Yeah. I know. I mean, there are rare exceptions to that, but most of the richest people, not nice people. This is true. This is true. Yeah. It's. But, you know, these are people who don't have to worry about paying bills or having things covered. It's, It's automatically done for them. So this just becomes how much can I get? How many yeah. points can I score? I mean, I guess at least they're advancing technology Sometimes. somewhat by trying by com- competing to go into space. Like credit where credit's due. That's awesome. You I know, just we have- hope we're not headed for Elysium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And that, and that- I, I think. I think that it's a good idea in a way to have as many people trying new methods to get to space and going to space and doing things in space because you know that whole asteroid or comet that killed the dinosaurs you know that's always in the back of my head again i'm a very paranoid person we need to know what's going on out there and and we need an ability to maybe i don't know shoot some of that crap before it hits us that would be nice see there you go militarizing (laughs) space ma yeah, but I, I want to shoot a rock, not people. That it, They're going to use the rock shooters to shoot people, Mom. You're right. Just like the end of Babylon 5, right? They're going to turn the nukes right, onto right. the planet. And yeah. And ah, uh, why? <laughs> Babylon 5 was way too prescient about the stuff. And, and, you know, of course, he's basing so much of it on World War II. So it's like it's prescient, but it's also the past repeating itself. Yes. Yeah. So. Thank you for showing up and finally getting on to the internet. Finally, the internet gods allowed us to speak and it was good. <laughs> and then they said they were done. Right. <laughs> so thank you so much. You're welcome back anytime. We had it was so much so fun. fun. Absolutely. Uh, and anytime you want me, just let me know. Okay. Awesome. Thank you very much. And, and and of course, should I should I plug where people can hear my show? Yes, you should. Yes, you should. I th- yeah, duh. <laughs> uh, where did the road go? Is uh, everything is at where did the road go dot com. Links to everything. It's available on everywhere from YouTube to every podcatcher, and all the shows back to the very first one in January of 2013 are available on the website. If you want to check out the movies I mentioned, if you look for Gateways to Magonia, you will find that on YouTube. And Necro Zombies from Beyond Space will also come up on YouTube. Um, and I'll put links in the show notes for those. And also, if you're into heavier, darker music, thelastexit.org is my weekly music show that I've been doing since 1994. So uh, there's that, too. Awesome. That sounds cool. And I'll put links to all of this in the show notes as well, if anybody reads those. So all right, awesome. you there. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's all for this week's episode of the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at 6DJK67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you, and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you. Beep, beep, beep.